Impact Church podcast. Glad to have you with us. We're in First Peter, doing a series in First Peter, and we're at that place where Peter quotes uh, from the Old Covenant where he said, be holy as I am holy. Peter says, you need to be holy in all that you do. But that's not a command. It's more of an invitation. You see, in the New Covenant, God is calling forth what he has deposited in you. He's calling into manifestation what he has imparted into your life so we can manifest his very nature. Let's unpack that a little further. Come on, let's get into the word. Peter, uh, praise God, we started, introduced the book, and then we jumped in the last week. Pastor Zach talked about, you know, your identity, and Peter immediately went to identity. We're talking about a, a church in a very difficult time, a difficult period, around 63, 64 AD. Shortly after Peter wrote this book, he was crucified upside down. The day before, they crucified his wife, and then the next day, they came for him. So Peter was in a time where he understood and he saw that the uh, things are getting rough, things are getting tough. I mean, uh, Nero burned down Rome and he blamed it on the Christians. And so it looks like they're coming after us. It looks like there could be some difficulties. So he's writing a letter to a diverse group of people in an area of Asia, a very diverse group, rural. I mean, they were people from all types of backgrounds, but this one book had an incredible application to all those groups. But he said, look, you could experience some difficulties. You could experience some suffering. So he wrote this book with that understanding. Now, what's the book about? Let me tell you what the book's about. Now, if the book itself tells you what it's about, that's probably a good thing, right? If the author says, here's why I wrote it, that's probably why he wrote it. So you might think you know why Peter was written, but listen, Peter knows why he wrote it. And here's what he said. He said, I have written you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace. This is the true grace. I am exhorting you. I'm, I'm encouraging you. I want you to embrace the true grace of God. He said, because it's the true grace in God in which you stand. I want you to stand in this difficult time. I want you to stand in a period of struggle and a period of trial. And what do I need you to understand? What do I need to share with you deeply and get you a good revelation of? The true grace of God is why I'm writing this book. Can I get an Amen. That's it. So three key words in this book, three key words, suffering, grace, and glory. And the whole thing is, is Peter is saying, you're going to go through some suffering, but if you introduce grace, if you baptize yourself in the revelation of grace, it'll all result in glory. You'll see your suffering come into glory. You'll see the difficulty manifest the goodness of God if you baptize it in a revelation of his grace. Well, pastor, you see grace everywhere. I see it everywhere because it is everywhere. And we want you to understand that. We want you to see that. So he said last week, Pastor Zach was talking about believers standing firm. He's talking about, first of all, I want you to be secure in your identity. And he said, believers stand firm because they're chosen. They're God's chosen pilgrims. They're begotten, born again, born of the Father. They have an untouchable inheritance and a wonderful, great salvation. And God's commands are rooted. Every one of them is rooted in the grace of God. Amen. You know, my daughter, actually, my daughter's here. So when, when my daughter was a little girl, uh, we were in Bible school in the United States of America. And she started school in the United States of America. And when she went to school, one thing they had to do is they had to stand up at the start of the day and pledge allegiance to the flag. So she was telling us the Pledge of Allegiance. She came home and said, uh, we pledge allegiance to the flag, the United States of America, and for a public for which it stands, it is one nation, underdog, invisible with justice and, and 
peace and harmony for all. I forget the last part. But I would say, Carly, it's not under dog, it's under God. No, it's under dog. And I said, and, and I know it's just a hard word, but it's indivisible. She said, no, it's under dog invisible. And so I, I couldn't get her to change that. She was convinced and she stood firm that it is underdog invisible. So that happens. Have you ever had some, you, th you thought you understood the way it went and you found out later that's not it at all. But still, you really believed you were right. Have you ever done that? A lot of people do that with song lyrics. Have you ever done that with song lyrics? You, you, you can't quite understand what's going on. Let me give you a couple. You ready? Here's one right here. You ready? Money for nothing, chips for free. Woo! Money for nothing and my chips for free. Install microwave ovens, custom kitchen delivery. Money for nothing and my chips for free. How many remember that song? That's actually not how it goes. I thought it was chips for free, but it's, it's chicks for free. So anyways, that's, uh, that's people screwed up. That's one of the top 40 songs of people screwing up the lyrics on that one. Let me give you another one. Let me give you another one. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. See the headlights on the highway. How many thought it was Hold Me Closer, Tony Danza? That is one of the top floor methods. Carly thought it was Tony Danza. See, I knew it because we used to watch Tony Danza back then, right? So, hold me closer, Tony. It's hold me closer, Tiny Dancer. Remember that one? Elton John, remember that? Yeah, that was a good song. I got one more for you just because you're getting into this. All right. So, saving his life from a warm sausage tea. Da -da 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 -da. Easy come, easy go. Will you let me go? I will not know. I will not let you go. Let me go. Saving his life from this warm sausage tea. Now, you being a Brit, you get that totally. You probably sang it that way, didn't you? Come on, admit it. And I have to look at it because it's spare him his life from this monstrosity. How many are glad I straightened that one out for you? Three people. All right. Okay. One, just one more from my favorite band, the Monkees. Are you ready? Then I saw her face. Now I'm going to leave her. There's no doubt in my mind. Oh. When I saw her face, I'm going to leave. What is it? You ready? When I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Come on. Are any believers in the room? So sometimes we get things mixed up. We really, really believe it's that way. And you have big arguments sometimes with people over it's under God, underdog invisible. And you go, no, it's, but you know, it's what you believe. Let me show you a picture. Let me show you a picture if I can get it. Okay, what's that? What kind of bone is it? It's a femur. Some people, how many think it's the femur of a chicken? Femur, a human femur? How many think it's the femur of a, how many, how many know what it is? Oh, that's me. It's not my femur. But, you know, when you just see one bone, it's, it's out of place. It's, and you can say, that's a bone. But it could be a lot more, right? And it's a part of something. It's, it comes something that's taken from a hole. Let me show you where it's from. Let me show you. Ready? Right there, you see? That bone is from a white-tailed deer. Let's just say, thank you, Pastor. All right, very good. Now, why did I show you that? Why did I do that? Because sadly, when we get into the scriptures, often people take little verses, and as we've been saying right from the start, you take it out of context. And if you take the text out of context, you end up with con. 
And a lot of people get conned because the text has been taken out of context and all that's left is a con. And you see, 1 Peter, the passage we're going to go through today, it's dense. It is absolutely dense with wonderful, glorious truth. But because of that, sometimes people go to this passage and they, they pull out little parts of it and they preach things that were never intended to be preached. They take things totally out of context and they really misrepresent God. And, you know, religion is so good at doing that. So I don't want you to get the lyrics wrong. I don't want you to take it out of context. I don't want you to take a bone that has nothing to do with a chicken, but it has to do with the white-tailed deer. I want you to see the whole picture as we go through the book of 1 Peter, and I want to see the true grace of God established in your heart and in your life. Can I get a hallelujah? All right. Well, thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. You're working really hard today. So Peter moves from identity to expression. You see, I was going to say, you know, from, from identity, from theology to, or doctrine to duty, or theology to ethics, or we think of that, and I was going to say from, you know, from the identity to the conduct, or identity to behavior. I just didn't like that, because so often conduct, now conduct yourself properly, now behave right, but I just wanted expression, because our life now, because of our identity, there's more of an expression of God that comes through our identity than there is, you know, an imitation, or a behavior, or a conduct. It is behavior, it is conduct, but it's more fruit than it is effort. I'm not adding something to my life, I'm letting the DNA of God, I'm letting the revelation of Christ in me express itself in and through me, and it's effortless. And so often we turn things into doctrines and duties and we beat people over the head. You know, God's been good to you, so behave yourself. God's, look what he did for you. You can at least, you know, smarten up and quit being such a blah, blah, blah. And that's a lot of what religion does. We take things, we, we take things out of the broader context of the whole thing and we misrepresent the goodness of God. Thank you. For, I had a grunt over there somewhere. It was awesome. Amen. So we don't want to do that, all right? So we move then. We move on to, from identity to expression. We begin verse 13 with so then or therefore, and it's a general rule of Bible study that whenever you see a therefore, you should ask yourself, what is that therefore? And we got a therefore. We got a so then. So something before is deeply connected to what is coming after. So whenever there's a so then, whenever there's a therefore, you have to understand that the relationship of this passage, all right? So we got to figure that out. So here it is. Look, it's right here in 1 Peter 1, 13. We're going to go right through 13 to 25. How many love Bible study? We're doing some Bible study all summer long. We're going to tear apart this book. And I, I can tell you, I could stay in this little passage for several months, but I'm going to give you a lot of dense, wonderful revelation in about 20 minutes. Are you ready? All right. So then, prepare your hearts and minds for action. This is from the Passion Translation. The uh, King James Version, New King James Version says, gird up the loins of your mind. How many knew that your mind had loins? How many have been down to the store and bought a strip loin or a tender loin or a loin? You get those. The loins, the loins represents this part of who you are. And literally, when it says loins, it means the procreative part of you. It says, gird up the procreative aspects of your mind, because your mind is where you're creating your future. The mind is where your world, as a man thinks, so he is. So now, in light of this wonderful new information that I just gave you, I want you to really think right. I want you to gird up the procreative realm of your existence. I want you now to take authority over this three inches so that you can begin to manifest 
all the wonderful things that your father's done for you. Do you get me? So this is what's going on. I want you to gird up the loins of your mind, stay alert, and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Christ is unveiled, there's a greater measure of grace that will be released to you. Now, theologian E.M. Fitzpatrick, here's what he says. You ready? E.M. Fitzpatrick, he says, so many of us cavalierly gloss over what he has done, what he has done, and we zero in on what we're to do. So instead of focusing on what he's done, instead of focusing on how wonderful our identity is, being a child of God, being born anew, having a, a new DNA, a spiritual DNA of Christ in me, that's what you need to focus on. He says, now with that fully in view, that's got to be something we focus on. He says, sadly, we, we, we zero in on what we're to do. And that shift, though it may seem slight, makes all the difference in the world. Our obedience has its origins in God's prior action. So obedience flows out of a revelation of what God has done on your behalf and who you are. If obedience flows out of anything else, it's a religious act and it doesn't even measure in eternity. So we have to understand our identity and forgetting that truth results in self-righteousness. I've all week been obeying God, pastor. I look for things to obey all the time. For me, I don't have to obey. Obedience is a fruit of my constant, continuous, radical connection with my Heavenly Father. So it's not an effort, it's a flow of His goodness in my life. So it says that leads to pride and despair. And as you study Scripture, remember that the imperatives are always rooted in the indicatives. God calls you to become who you already are. I want you to become... Here, here's a subtle deception. If you think you're still trying to get somewhere, you'll be deceived and you'll be put on a treadmill of performance and the devil has you knocked right out of the purpose of God for your life because you're going to spend all your time trying to please him, trying to be good enough to be with him. Oh, I'm trying, I'm trying. And the devil does that. The devil did it right from the start. He said, don't you want to be like God? Here's the thing, don't you want to be godly? I could say that. Don't you want to be godly and inside you? Yes, oh yes, I do. Here's the truth, you already are. So the lie is to knock you out of the reality of who you are and cause a deception to be born in your spirit that puts you on a treadmill of performance when God's going, what's wrong with you? And there's so much of it in religion today. So uh, Neil uh, Anderson, Neil Anderson said this, God has not given us power to imitate him. He has made us partakers of his nature so that we can actually be like him. You don't become a Christian by acting like one. We are not on a performance basis with God. We are not on a performance basis with God. If I'm good, he's happy. If I'm bad, he's sad. He's actually never sad. He's happy about you all the time. You are never unloved. You're always loved. Always. And you have to know that. But there's people who, let me give you 10 steps to get closer to God. You know what that just did? It put distance between you and your heavenly father. Distance. Anything that causes distance is a demonic doctrine. And you have to avoid it with everything in you. Your mind. It's all about your mind. So these things try to get in your mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12. For 11 chapters, it talks about your identity. For 11 chapters, he talks about who you are and what God's done for you. And then in chapter 12, he turns the corner. He says, I beseech you, therefore, in light of the mercy of God. I've talked to you all about his mercies, his wonderful mercies that are new every day for you. Does anybody need some mercy? Good for you. It's new every day. 
You know, it's there all the time in light of this mercy. Now, listen, here's what you need to do. What do you need to do? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get a handle on this four inches. Some people, it's five inches, you know, but whatever. Right here, it's, it's this head right here. You need to get a handle on it. You need to pull it under subjection to the good news of Christ, right? Be renewed, uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove the good and acceptable perfect will of God, right? All right, Ephesians 4, 23, 24, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you might put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Put it on just now. Let your, repent. Repent. Get your mind turned around to the goodness of God. Repent and align yourself with the revelation that you are a child of God. You're born anew. You're born of the heavenly father. He has implanted himself in you. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Everything passed away. Everything's been made new. Align your mind with that. That's repentance. Repentance is, I'm so sorry. No, it's not. Repentance is a constant uh, epiphany of, oh my God, this is so good. My salvation is amazing. My redemption is beautiful. That's repentance. When you change your mind about how you thought about your salvation and you change your mind about your fallen concept of God, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. I believe he is nuts about me, loves me, cannot live without me. I believe that in his eyes I am to die for. <laughs> And it's true, it's true, it's true. I love Caroline Leaf in her book, Switching On Your Brain. She said, your mind is trying to catch up with what your spirit already knows. Your mind is trying to catch up with what your spirit, your spirit already knows that. That's why when grace and, and your identity in God, when it gets preached, your spirit is saying yes. But sometimes you were taught by your favorite teacher who, oh, praise God, bless him. But He's putting you on performance. He's putting you on steroids of, of distance and, and struggle. And, and I know you love them and you've been listening to them for such a long, long time, but it's rubbish. You've got to just put it aside. You've got to be willing to say, I love that teacher, but they are sincerely wrong. And you've got to repent. You've got to change your mind. And you've got to align yourself with the truth about God's word. Hey. All right has to be done has to be done your mind is trying to catch up with what your spirit already knows so today in these scriptures we want to look at this your mind has if a mind that is focused on these four things will allow you to express your godly dna in extreme times so we're going to focus on four things that will allow you to express in difficult times your revelation of this these things will help you help you express the life of god are you ready okay Let's look at verse 14. Verse 14. As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the, diverse, by the desires that you followed when you didn't know any better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. Can you say called you? The Holy One who called you. Put your mind, focus your mind, fix yourself on the Holy One who called you. For the scripture says, it says this in Leviticus, you are to be holy because I am holy. Now, the, the title of the scripture is, be holy as I am holy. But I changed the way holy is written to be W-H-O-L-L-Y instead of H-O-L-Y. Because we get all screwed up with H-O-L-Y. 
And it is better defined as W-H-O-L-L-Y. It's holy. Be holy. Be perfect. Be absolutely complete. Be nothing missing, nothing lacking. Be exactly what you are in God. Nothing more, nothing less, but be absolutely, perfectly one. Absolute integrity of all that you are, all wrapped up in him. So be holy as I am holy. Literally, be who you are. Now, in light of all of this, be who you are are. See, sadly, it's a bunch of Christians trying to do stuff instead of a whole bunch of believers being something. It didn't tell you to go out and do witnessing. It said, go out and be a witness. And yet we got people doing, 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 doing. And you know, doing is no good unless you understand who you are as a being, being. So the word holy, the word holy is hagios, which means wholeness, fullness, abundance, overflowing, completely complete. For us, it means to be set apart to God, to be as it were exclusively his exclusively God. So be holy as I am holy. Be complete. Be overflowing with perfection as I am overflowing with perfection. Now, in an old covenant mindset, there's nothing to help you do that. It was just a command. But you see, in the new covenant, he's asking you to express what he has done in your life, to express that you're a new creature, to express, let it out of you. Let the fruit come. Let Bear fruit right now in knowledge and revelation that you've been transformed to be exactly like God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now let flow out of you the wholeness, the perfection that God has created in you. Let it come into manifestation. And yet people preach, be holy as he is holy. And then we turn it into, you know, sin management verses and we need to be better. You could be better people. God cannot come to the city because we're not holy enough. If God's people would be holy, you know, we take the old covenant prayers. If my people would humble themselves and pray and turn. Well, I did turn from my wicked ways. I'm actually perfect. I'm not an obstacle to God filling the city. I literally am a river of greatness flowing out of me, filling the city. I don't need to stare at my belly button to God, get God to come out of heaven. He's out of heaven, and he's in me. And there's an open heaven that I live under, and there's a flow of his goodness. So be holy as I am holy is more of an invitation than it is a commandment. Be what I have created you to be. Hello. All right, turn the lights back off. I don't know. Some people are excited. So. All right, look now. Paul Ellis, he says this, holiness is not one aspect of God's character. It's the whole package in glorious unity. Holiness isn't something God is. It's, it, or something God does. It's who he is. It's not a part of his nature. It just means God is absolutely complete. God is absolutely whole. There's nothing missing or lacking in God. He says this. He says, uh, when the angels sing, holy is the Lord, they're not admiring him for rule keeping and sin avoidance. They're marveling at the transcendent totality of his perfection. Did you know that God was holy before there was sin? Did you know that, that God never had to keep the rules because he was holy before there were any rules. Like, God is holy. And you see, we've reduced being holy to you don't sin and uh, you avoid certain things because you're holy. And, and, and if you're holy, then you keep the rules. So keep, you, we, we've put a scale on holiness. You're only as holy as your behavior. I'm not holy as my behavior. I'm as holy as my identity. And I'm as holy as God himself. I am holy. <laughs> 
What kind? The quality of God's holiness. That's what I am. And I'm not called to try to do it. I'm called to express now what I've so gloriously given you, which is my very nature in you. Settle down, please. I'm trying to finish here. Thank you very much. All right, the word calling. Now, I want to look at calling because calling, it sounds like an invitation, right? It sounds like, now come and be what he's called you to be. The calling, look, this is from uh, uh, Thomas R. Schreiner, his, his uh, uh, commentary on First Peter, excellent commentary. He said, calling does not merely mean invite, but it conveys the idea of God's power in bringing people from darkness to light. Just as God calls and creates light and there is, uh, when there was darkness, he also creates life when there was death. The reference to calling is important, for again, grace precedes demand. For again, grace precedes demand. God pours out his grace. He pours out his unmerited faith. He pours out his power, his power, and he brings about a manifestation, the true grace of God. You're baptized in it. You're saturated with it. And you see, that grace calls forth the image of God in your life. It's not something I try to do. For grace dem- precedes the demand. Otherwise, the patrine paranesis. That literally means Peter's instructions. That's all it means. I had to look it up myself. So Peter's instructions could be confused with the idea that human beings attain their own righteousness or that they live morally noble lives in their own strength. And that's sadly what the church is baptizing today is lessons on moralism. And moralism will never get the glory of God into the city of London. If we focus on the finished work of the cross, we'd see that it's already done. Morally noble living in their own strength. All holiness stems from God who called them into the sphere of the holy. See, he baptized you into the sphere of the holy. He saturated you, pickled you, permeated you with his very nature. And therefore, it is just a natural outworking of what God has already done. All holiness does not start with you. It starts with him. And it's from him, through him, and to him are all things. That's a good place to say amen. Good place right there. Amen. Just wake up your neighbor and say, come on. All right. So Jesus did zero sin and he became sin. We did zero right and we became the righteousness of God. He did zero sin and he became sin. I did zero right and I became right. When did you become a sinner? Did you become a sinner when you first sinned? No, you were born a sinner. When did you become righteous? You became righteous because you did enough right stuff that went stamped. Okay, you're finally, Carl, you're approved. You did enough right stuff, you're my child. No, you see, it's a birth thing. Sin was never the problem. The problem was what you were born as. See, we're all born in sin, but there's where the new birth is. I've been reborn. That's what he said. You've been reborn of the Father. I've been reborn. And what was I reborn in? I've been reborn into righteousness. Not a single sin, and yet I was a sinner. Not a single right act. And I have been born again. The very nature of God. Thank you. Thank you very much. Woo! I mean, we're going to keep on telling people out there, you got to stop sinning. How stupid is that? Jesus was a friend of sinners. He introduced them. There's a new way to live. There's a new king in town. Your father loves you. He's nuts about you. He wants to deliver you. Make you reborn in his presence and in his spirit. Ha! Ha! All right, all right. So 2 Peter 1.3 says, By his divine power, God gave us everything we need for life and godliness. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us. There's called again, who called us to himself by means of his... How did he call us? By means of his marvelous glory and excellence. 
Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Ha! Billy Graham, his book, Lifetime Guarantee, he was asked, are Christians truly holy people or are we trying to become holy people? This was Billy Graham's really asked this. It's in his book, Lifetime Guarantee. And here's what he said. He says, as an oak sapling grows, does it get oakier? Wow, our oak tree's getting oakier every day. An oak tree, he said, is an oak tree. An oak is an oak is an oak. It simply matures into what it is, a full-grown oak tree. Any believers here? Any righteous people here? Well, sometimes I get it right, Pastor. It's not about doing righteousness as a noun. Are there any righteous people here today? Absolutely. There's, it's not a more or less, it just absolutely is. It's just sometimes you more or less manifest it based on some of the teaching you get. But you never, you'll never behave beyond what you believe you are. Behavior is totally connected to identity. So if you keep on saying, I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace, you know what you're going to do? Sin. That's like saying, I'm a plumber who sometimes gets it right. Can I work on your pipes? No. I'm an electrician who sometimes blows the house up. Can I come in? No. I'm a child of God, born from above, out of his glorious seed, an imperishable seed of Almighty God has been planted on me, and that seed is growing to manifest what it is. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Please, again, settle down. So stop it. Wow. hate it when people get excited like that. Okay. Jesus, look at this. Jesus was absolutely, how many believe Jesus was born absolutely pure and holy, born absolutely the Son of God? He was born complete. Nothing had to be added. He was absolutely holy, the perfect Son of God, perfectly God, every bit God, holy God. Well, look at this. Luke 2.52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in favor in wisdom and stature, but he was every bit the Son of God and holy. Just because he was growing in something doesn't mean that he already was something. Even Jesus grew in the manifestation of who he was. It didn't mean he became more so. He always was. And you see, you are holy. And more and more, you're manifesting the nature of the one who is in you. More and more, you're expressing who you are. Don't listen to mixture. It'll rob you of who you are in Christ. It'll suck the grace right out of you and put you back on a treadmill of performance. Don't! Do it. I mean it. I mean it. Verse 17. Here we are. First Peter chapter 1, verse 17. It says, Since you call him Heavenly Father, the impartial judge who judges in order to find something good. Oh, sorry. Let me, let me read the scripture. I, I read my insert. Since you call him Heavenly Father, the impartial judge who judges. I love that. Impartial judge who judges. According to each one's work, live each day with holy awe and reverence throughout your time here on earth. See, now for me, that's not a fearful verse. It's an awesome verse. Because when you read it right, you understand what's going on. I'm not like, okay, I better behave right because God's going to judge every work. That's not the word judge. That's not what it means. In Warren Wearsby, in his commentary, here's what he said. He said, he judges in order to find something good. See, so when God comes to you in judgment, he comes to find something good. He's coming to bring out the goodness. He's coming to manifest and draw out of you the beautiful impartation that he's made in you. So when he's judging, he, he's removing the stuff. He's saying, come forth. 
Bring out the good stuff. You see, every week we talk about the service. Every week we talk about the preaching. We talk about how worship went. We talked about that. We actually judge the service. And we apply discipline to what we do. And if pastor preached too long and the people got crazy in the nurseries, I get scolded. And I'm, I'm told, listen, you could do better. And they want to pull out the good in me. You could preach quicker. You can get it done. Can I get an amen? But you see, none of that is to, to, to harm me or none of that is to beat me up. None of that is to scold me or disqualify me. It's to bring out the very best in you. And you see, God, when he does that, his discipline is not because you blew it, smack. His discipline is to call forth out of you the fullness of his nature. And for that, I show up every day and say, let's pull out some more good stuff. I'm inspired by that. I want to show up for that because he's bringing out the very best me, the real me. He's bringing out, he's moving all the junk and stuff that other people put on me and he's bringing out the authentic me and I show up for that every day. That's what he's talking about. But you see, you can take these verses and you can beat people up with it. God judges you. I love that he's impartial. So when he's working with me, it's impartial. He's not applying, you know, you or some other thing. He's dealing with me. It's not dealing with you. It's impartial. He, he deals with us uniquely, specifically, and originally. And you know what? God's working on me. Is he working on you? And it's all good. It's all really, really good. Amen? All right. So that's what that's all about. It's about the verse 18. Look at this. Look how much he loves us. For you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty, futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. You were not ransomed with silver and gold, but which perishes, but you've been ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb was sacrificed for us. You see how much God loves us? You see how incredible? You see what he's willing to give to bring us into the full expression of who he is? Have you got a full revelation of how much he loves you? Wow. He loves us. It's so great. This was part of God's plan. For he was chosen and destined before the foundation of the earth was laid. But he's been manifest in these last days for you. For you, for you, for you, for you. Because he loves you. What he's worked in you. Oh, you can be confident that what he has worked in you, he's going to bring it into glorious expression. No matter what you're going through, no matter what difficulty or hardship, God is committed to bring out a manifestation of his gracious nature in your life. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. Praise God. Stephen, you've been exceptionally wonderful. You know, just, just your encouragement has been such a blessing. Right. Amen. For you, it's for you who now believe in him, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, that through him you might believe in him so that you would fasten your faith and hope in God alone. The last thing is his word. Now listen, some people think it's, the, it's this, it's the letters on the page, it's capital word. It's not, I know it's holy Bible, you know, but, but the word he's talking about, capital W means word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's Jesus. He is the living word. Now because of your obedience to the truth, you've purified your very souls. And this empowers you to, to be full of love for your fellow believers. So express love that word express. So express this sincere love toward one another passionately and with a pure heart for through the eternal living word of God, you have been born again. And look what it says. And this seed, a lot of small writing up there. Can you see it? How many can't see it? Let's pray for eyeballs. All right. Look at that. It says seed and this seed. 
It's the seed. It's the seed of his word. It's that eternal, incorruptible word. It's him. It's him placed in us that is bringing into manifesting. It's been planted within you. You can never be, it can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside you forever. For human beings are frail and temporary like grass. And the glory of man is fleeting like blossoms in a field. The grass dries and it withers and it falls. It says everything in this world is temporary, but what you've been redeemed with is the eternal, living, incorruptible, and perishable word of God. And it will work out in you everything that God has commanded. It will finish the job and bring you to full, glowing, glaring manifestation of who he is. So he says, but the word of God, it endures forever. And this is the word. This is the gospel. This is the kingdom gospel of the grace of God that we've given to you. And that word will work in you every manifestation of God's purpose in your life. Amen. Amen. It's the good news of Jesus. That's what's going to work. Three verses going to wrap it up right now. You ready? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrificing of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. How did you become holy? Jesus gave his life for you, died, buried, rose again. You died in him, buried with him, rose again with him. You're seated with him. You cannot be in union with God and be unholy. And because you're one with him, that means he has made you holy so that you can be absolutely united with him he cannot unite himself with something unholy therefore you are absolutely holy once and for all for all time you've been made holy let the holy people be holy another verse one more verse right there right after it it says and by his one perfect sacrifice he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time I mean, I could have just read that verse 500 times over and over again today, and you would have got blasted in the revelation of God's goodness. There are any holy people here today? Who has a hard time putting your hand up on that one? Who has a hard time saying, I am holy? You know, if there's any reluctance in you, don't do it. Cast it off right now and say, I am holy. Because your, your mind has to match up with your mouth. Did you know that they've proven that you, you can't think differently from what you say? That's why God says, confess it. Because your mind lines up with what you're saying. So you ready? I am holy. Woo! I am holy. I just screwed up terribly. I am holy. That's when you need faith, when you're not manifesting who you are. I just behave not like myself. I am holy. That's when you right away declare the truth about you. I just behave below my privileges. I am holy. One more verse. This is it. This is a summary. This is a summary of Paul's whole ministry. You ready? You ready? A summary of his whole ministry. He says, what, what was I sent to do? He said, I was sent to open their spiritual eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness. Did you receive forgiveness? Are you forgiven? You don't earn forgiveness. You receive it. Receive forgiveness and release from their sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified, who have been set apart, who have been made holy by faith in me. So your faith didn't just get you saved, your faith made you holy. By faith you were born again. By faith you've been granted a new nature. One more thing and I gotta finish, you ready? One more thing, you ready? It's not doobie doobie doobie. If you forget anything, just pay attention right now. It's not dooby dooby doo. It's be do, be do, be do. There's way too many preachers saying dooby dooby dooby. 
but it's be do. In fact, I like it better like this. It's be done, be done, be done. Because religion is do, 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 do. But a walk with Christ and the true grace of God, it's done, it's done, it's done. You can't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. Just accept he has done it all. And he has declared me absolutely righteous, forgiven, free, and holy, once and for all, for all time, in Jesus' name. That's not my idea. That was the Bible. We're going to have a lot of fun with 1 Peter because we're going to get into some stuff. Hopefully you've been reading 1 Peter and see how much fun we're going to have. But that was a dense, dense group of verses. But you've got to understand it right because it can be religiously manipulated so easily. But when you get it right, oh, you feel right. Come on, stand up with me. Heavenly Father, how I love you. Come on, all the believers are praying right now. You ready? Praying? We're all praying. Father, we bless you. We love you. We honor you right now. Now, you might be watching online. You might watch it next week. You might watch it a month from now. But you might be right here in the house. Listen, that's the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Paul said, I'm here to teach the good news of the grace of Jesus Christ. And it is good news. Here's the good news. He never sinned and he became sin so that you who never could do anything right became absolutely righteous. And if you want to be delivered from religion, you want to be set free from the oppression of all that that is, and you know, want to know what it is to be born again of your heavenly Father, you want to know what it is to be restored to a relationship with him, I want to pray for you today. If you said, man, I've never... I've never engaged him. I've never allowed myself to just embrace that I am born again of a heavenly father. If you want to be brought in, I mean absolutely brought in to the kingdom of the father today, I want to pray for you. All right, so I'm going to get you to bow your heads, and I'm just going to ask you. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three, even you at home, wherever you are. Just feel like you're right engaged with us right now. If you've never done that, but you want to, when I count to three, would you put your hand up? When I get to three, just put your hand up so I can see it. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand very high, very high. I actually can't see anything except lights in my eyes. All right. Well, Heavenly Father, we bless you. We thank you for the revelation of your incredible love. We want our minds. As Caroline Leaf said, I want my mind to catch up with what my spirit already knows. My spirit is absolutely one with you. I'm one spirit with you. I'm baptized in the love and the revelation of your goodness. And we just want that to be fully expressed. So I pray today that full repentance would be expressed in our hearts and lives, that we would align ourselves wholly, completely, and totally with your revelation of who we are. And so, Father, we bless you today. Father, thank you for this house. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. I just command each one blessed. Father, remove sickness from the midst of us. We curse every form of sickness. We command blessing. We command prosperity. We command an expression of all that you are. Let your kingdom be manifest in and through us. You didn't come to get us into heaven. You came so heaven could be a part of my life. And let heaven be expressed in and through us every day. So, Father, right now, I bless each one here with a full revelation of the love of the Father. I bless them with a revelation of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I bless them to walk in a constant, full encounter of the partnership of Holy Spirit every day, every moment. I bless you, and I send you into the mission field to bring honor and glory to God. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, amen.
Amen. God bless you guys. Really good to see you. Take your time going out. And I'm looking forward to very soon we get the masks off and do the whole thing. Jump around to the front and spit and carry on. Amen. Who's looking forward to that? Amen. All right. Well, God bless. Hey, there's prayer today. So we got prayer teams up front. They'll be here on the yellow line. If you need prayer for anything, please come. They're ready to pray for you. If you're online and you needed prayer, you can go actually online. we got a prayer room online. You can go to our VIP pass. It's a red button on our front page of our website. Click on that. It'll take you to a prayer site. If you're new, you can fill out a card and you, we can correspond with you. And we just bless you right now. Thanks for joining with us. God bless you all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on. The altar's open if you need prayer. So come. We'd love to pray for you.